Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on Monday, the 5th of June, 2023. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, So great to be with you today. You can text me. Yep, the text line is open again, 877-933-2484. Help us um, reteach it, all the things it needs to know. So when you text in, it would be great the first time you text in to tell us who you are and where you're texting from. That would be great. And then we can reattach all of the information that became dislodged. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Here is a thing for you to consider today. Remember, we're trying to bring the mind of Christ to bear on what's going on out there in the world. And so one of the things going on out there in the world is sologamy, sologamy, mono marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, self-marriage, solo marriage, sologamy. That is the uh, lingo you're going to hear more and more. Um, In the sitcom Sex and the City, uh, back in the very, very early 2000s, Carrie Bradshaw marries herself. And you say, well, that's not going to become a thing. Well, um, Wikipedia actually says it is a thing, and it's called sologamy. And you say, well, that's Wikipedia. Um, Anybody can do that. Well, Now there is enough of a growing trend that major media outlets are covering sologamy or autogamy, like, yeah, just yourself. Um, Mono marriage is another word I've seen, solo marriage, self-marriage. It increasingly includes a ceremony and a gift registry, a honeymoon, and a social media status change. So what it is not is marriage in any legal or cognizable form. And yet that is the language being attached to it. And so you say to yourself, what what in the world is going on here? Well, if in the early 2000s, you know, screenwriters thought they would introduce it in Sex and the City, um, by 2014, an international travel agency had a whole dedicated portion um, of its offerings to self-marriage packages, in particular for women, which, by the way, this does seem to be a trend among women, not men. Um, And then we got news in 2014 of a British photographer who, quote-unquote, self-wed. 2017, um, an Italian fitness trainer who did the same thing. That's the same year, 2017, that Glamour magazine started normalizing the practice through its coverage of it. And uh, by 2020, sologamy is the subject of an award-winning documentary by the same title. On Valentine's Day of this year, 2023, Dr. Phil featured a conversation with a woman who, quote, married herself. And then over this past weekend, as I've noted, several major media outlets have been following um, this increasingly popular trend. If you were to um, 
read the testimonies or hear the stories of, in particular, these women. I mean, so far, everybody that I'm aware of that's engaged in this are women. Um, they talk about making these, you know, soul commitment ceremonies. They talk about walking down an aisle and wearing a white dress and having a veil and having a ring and making their commitments in front of a full-length mirror to themselves. Many of them actually perform the ceremony themselves, walk down the aisle themselves, um, uh, have, you know, all the uh, accoutrement related to having a wedding uh, one woman featured in here named Ina Jones married herself on her 50th birthday as a surprise to all of her guests. They thought they were attending a birthday party. Um, and instead, she emerged in a tiara and a white dress carrying a bouquet of sunflowers walking down an aisle. Um, there was a three-tiered uh, wedding cake. Um, she wanted to marry herself. She said, I felt like it was something that I needed to do. Because this is my most important relationship. It symbolizes my love for myself for the rest of my life. So um, in an attempt to acknowledge what is happening in hearts and minds out there, uh, we are going to think about what it means to be a bride. And as Christians, what it means to be the bride of Christ. We are going to think about what a wedding is and what it is not, and the wedding feast of the Lamb. We are going to think about marriage, what it is and what it is not, and what it represents or symbolizes as a reflection of an eternal reality. Because only when we apprehend the mind of Christ on these matters will we be able to speak into the confusion of the days in which we live. Dr. Linda Mental joins us next. We are going to... Um, be talking about forgiveness. This is uh, the theme of the month here at Faith Radio, forgiveness. And so of what do you need to be forgiven and whom do you need to forgive? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is joining us now. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. It's good to hear your voice again and talk to you again. It's good to hear your voice again and talk to you as well. Happy summer. Um, you have several things posted uh, on your website at uh, drlindamental.com that I would love to lift up uh, this morning. Could we just begin by talking about and responding to the hurt of rejection? Yeah, something we all experience, obviously, at some point in our, our lives, but I don't think it ever gets uh, to the point where you think, oh, that was fine. I was rejected. No big deal. <laughs> Most of us feel like you know, we weren't chosen, somehow we weren't good enough, or we weren't what somebody was looking for. And even when we know this, and so um, my husband's in the media, and he deals with actors all the time. And actors spend their life uh, early on in their careers getting rejected continuously. And so part of the message always is, look, it was a part you just didn't look the way they wanted or you weren't the the personality they wanted or there was something that they were looking for that you were not. And even though you can rationalize that in your head, emotionally, there's such a, a, a an experience with rejection where it just feels bad when it happens to you because you know you weren't chosen and you know where you weren't picked. And even as I'm even as I'm saying those words, Carmen, I'm thinking about how Jesus always picks us and he's chosen us and, and he he is the chosen, but he chose us as well. So this is this is a, a 
an emotion that is hard in the natural because it means that we weren't picked. And it can give way to a lot of feelings for people. I mean, you can get very, very upset by this. Uh, This is one of the prompters we think sometimes when people get so angry about being rejected over and over and over again, that could be one of the motives for when people engage in violence. Um, And the other way it goes is you can get so upset over this that you can isolate yourself and not try again and get low, you know, have low self-esteem and, and kind of turn into yourself and think, oh, I'm going to avoid all situations in which this could happen. So it's a powerful emotion to feel rejection and one that we will deal with in our lives. So we have to know what to do with it. Um, And so what do we do with it? I mean, you know, um, how do we effectively deal with it? Well, the first thing is not to allow it to define you. So again, it, it kind of use that example with actors, you know, don't allow somebody saying no to you to mean that something is terrible about you or something is bad about you, because it may again be that you just didn't click with somebody or there was someone better qualified or somehow I always think of the the easy one that we can all relate to is not being chosen from the team, you know, when they're picking people, um, we're watching this. We're watching this really fun cooking show called Chow House, and uh, and they have to keep picking teams for their team to win the competition on cooking. And there's always one woman who gets picked last. And I always think, oh, and she even said in one of the episodes, you know, it's really hard to be the last person chosen all the time, and and know that they must feel that I'm not good enough. But she's always trying to rally herself around, okay, that doesn't mean I'm a bad cook. It doesn't mean I I can't do the job. So having that perspective that you somehow are not fit for that position or that person or that job or whatever, but it doesn't define your worth. And that is really important because we know our worth is, again, in Christ, that he chooses us and that he sees us for who we are. And it isn't about what we do, right? It's about who we are. The second thing is to really determine why you were rejected. So it does help to do a little self-evaluation and say, hmm, was there something I didn't do as well? Do I need to work on my skills? Do I need to work on maybe, you know, being better at work if I was maybe rejected for a promotion or a job or something? So I do think it does help to, to stop for a moment and pause and say, what was going on that that didn't work or that didn't click or I wasn't part of that team and really take an honest look at that. And if there's something that you need to change, work on that. So that's always a good thing. Third thing I would say, and this relates to your your theme this month, is that you really have to forgive in that situation if you are the one who is feeling angry or resentful towards that rejection. So again, we know what the scripture says about not letting bitterness get into our heart, um, you know, not to hold on to resentment to people, not to take offense when we've been rejected, but to put that, you know, into God's hands and say, okay, I'm I'm going to forgive that person. And we know that forgiveness is a choice that we make, that our feelings don't always stay, I mean, they're not always in concert with what we're thinking at the time. Sometimes our feelings take a little bit more time to catch up, but we can certainly with our will say, I choose to forgive that person and Lord, help me with the feeling part of this, help my feelings to, you know, either grieve or whatever I have to do, but definitely put it in your hands. So that's going to be really, really important. And then if you become angry, because of the forgiveness and and because of the lack of forgiveness. And that's what I would say why forgiveness is so important. 
you really need to deal with your anger in a biblical way. So you don't want to vent it. You don't want to hurt someone back because they hurt you. And boy, do we see a lot of that in our culture today. Mm-hmm. I was hurt. You hurt me. I'm coming after you. And this is yeah. where revenge and even a prompt for shootings and all kinds of things are involved in that. So again, remember, as a Christ follower, the way we express anger is really important because the Bible says you can be angry, but don't sin in your anger, which means don't let it get out of control and don't take revenge on another person. You know, emulate Christ in your response. You can feel anger, but you definitely have to control it. Okay, and then finally... Um... But we'll, oh. let's let's pause there and then let's come back okay. and do the next next two in just a second. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental. We're talking about responding to the hurt of rejection. Rejection is something that we each experience. We all experience it. Um, sometimes we also have to be the person in the position to reject an idea or an offer or an individual's participation. And so this is helpful on the other side of the conversation as well. Uh, We're not going to allow rejection to define who we are. We're going to consider why we were rejected. We're going to forgive the one who has rejected us. And if we become angry, we're going to deal with our anger in a biblical way. Dr. Linda Mendel is going to give us two more um, uh, ways in which we're going to respond to the hurt of rejection in positive ways as believers. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find what we're talking about at DrLindaMental.com. The post is responding to the hurt of rejection All right, Linda, there's a couple more things here on our list um, in terms of how we respond. So sometimes, Carmen, it's, it's, it's important to, as you're considering what happened with the rejection, you might want to say something to someone because... It's not always intentional. So I was thinking about this um, when in, during the break, and I was thinking there was a time, there was an incident one time when somebody, a lady in our church, came up to me and said, you know, I, I had said something that really hurt her deeply, and I had no recollection of it. I, mm-hmm. I the, what she said, I, I thought, wow, that hurt you. I mean, I couldn't even imagine that that comment that she was telling me was hurtful to anybody, but apparently it was to her for whatever reason. Maybe she had something in her past that, you know, it related to. And so I was really taken aback. And, you know, what, what we were able to do is I, I apologized to her. First of all, I said, you know, not was not my intention, did not mean it in the way that you that you have expressed to me but obviously it did hurt you and I'm so sorry for that and she was able to then talk about why that was so painful so that was a really good outcome of her coming to me and and talking to me now it doesn't always work that well I want to say that sometimes when you go to somebody and you say 
this was very hurtful to me, they may have intended to hurt you, and you may not get an apology from that person. So when you do any type of confrontation of any type of negative feeling that you're having, including rejection, you always want to think about what is the goal of me going to someone? Sometimes the goal is that it's a biblical thing to do. So we are taught, for instance, in Matthew 18, that if we have conflict with someone, we need to go to that person. We need to try to talk to them first before we would bring in other people to help with the conflict. So you have to think, what is my goal? If my goal is to maybe repair the relationship or just let somebody know that their actions hurt, uh, that is a is a reasonable goal. But you also have to prepare yourself that they may not they may not apologize or they may not give you the type of response that you need. So that's important. And then the last thing I would say is there's pain, as we've been talking about. There's a lot of pain with with feeling like you're you're not acceptable. So we have these this real strong need to be accepted, to be validated, to um, you know, be someone that people want to be around. That's in all of us. Our brains are wired for interpersonal connections, just the way God designed us. So when we have that kind of pain, you can look in the Psalms, you can see it all over where when we're in emotional pain, we can cry out to God. He knows what we feel like. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrow. It says in in Isaiah, he was rejected, um, a man of sorrow. So he understands that pain of rejection. So hand over your pain to the Lord when you feel that way and let him take that burden because he says he will if you give it to him. And he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to reject you. He wants to heal that part of you. And so he is the best friend that you can have in terms of talking to and saying, God, you know how I feel. You know how painful this is. Heal my heart. And in that process, just to go back to your theme, in that process, you're constantly forgiving that person and not holding on to any type of bitterness or resentment or any feelings of revenge and allowing the Lord to do the good work that only he can do. That's so good. You've brought to mind um, a couple of experiences in my own life. Um, in in one case where I was the person who, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it as rejection at the time, but upon thinking about my failure to follow through on something, um, I could see how the person would have felt rejected. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so somebody yeah, asked does. me to do so. They asked me to do something a number of years ago, and I, um, I didn't say. No, I also didn't say yes. I just kind of left it hanging out there. And I've just been really convicted in in thinking about not only the conversation that you and I would have today, but I think just the Lord impressing upon me um, that this is an, a thing I had left undone. And so I saw this person yesterday at church, and I just was compelled, right, in part because of um, having thought about the conversation you and I would have today. But anyway, I apologized to her. I'm like, you asked me three or four years ago to do something, and I didn't do it. And I didn't tell you that I wouldn't do it, and I didn't tell you that I would, but I didn't do it. And then I just recognize I've kind of been avoiding you as well. And none of that is Mm. healthy. And so Mm -hmm. she looked at me and she's like, so what are you talking about? And so, (laughs) you know, again, right? So that thing where I'd been carrying this around um, and it had, I had been allowing it to um fester really yeah. yeah 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 and be a um be a, a barrier in my relationship with this wonderful beautiful person so anyway i said you know what i this is what you asked and i'm actually like ready to do that if you're interested and so she just 
you know, lightened up like a little light bulb. And so we're going to get together in a couple of weeks. But um, so you never yeah, know. I think that you never know. You never know. And it's also it's not too it's never too late to circle back around. Mm-hmm. If you're the person mm-hmm. who is responsible for having rejected somebody or an idea or whatever, an opportunity, and you're in a position to turn that around, it's never too late. Maybe that's my thought on that today. Well, well, and I think you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So as you're preparing for something in a topic, the Holy Spirit is bringing something to mind to you. And that's mm. really what we want to do is we want to be obedient to the things that God puts on our hearts, right? We don't always know the impact of that on somebody else, even if it seems minimal at the time. If the Holy Spirit is directing you to do something. That's the time where we need to act and do what the Holy Spirit says to do. That's so good. Thank you so much. There's so much other stuff we could talk about today. I really loved the piece that you have posted, What Does It Take to Make a Friend? And so if you haven't been to visit Dr. Linda Mental lately at drlindamental.com, I encourage you to do that. Um, You can read uh, the entire post that we talked about today, Responding to the Hurt of Rejection. But you should also um, read What Does It Take to Make a Friend and, well, everything else she's got there. Um, so, drlindamental.com, you should check out uh, what she's saying on the radio at other times other than this one. But thank you so much for your contribution to this conversation today. Yeah, and remember, we have these topics on podcasts, so they can also go to myfaithradio.com and listen to a podcast on rejection and a podcast on getting uh, friends. Friends is going to be one of the, it's either there or we're going to do one on that. So, we've got podcasts that. from you guys as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So you can um, connect with Linda both at MyFaithRadio.com and also at DrLindaMental.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Next, iGen. Yeah. The emerging generations, um, these are people with whom we now live and to whom we are responsible to communicate the gospel. Um, and so I think recognizing what is different about emerging generations is important and how we're going to communicate the gospel effectively generation to generation. And so understanding, you know, uh, who we are or who I am. So uh, I'm going to turn 55 this week. So I'm old. I'm old um, by comparison to many in the culture today. There's some of you thinking right now, 55 doesn't uh, sound old at all. Trust me, um, the the things that I don't know now so far outnumber the things that I do know. The things that I think I'm competent at uh, are just so few compared to the things that I am not competent um, to do the things that other people know how to do that I don't know how to do or that they I don't even I don't even know what they're talking about some of the time. And so becoming a student of emerging generations, even as we find our footing as wise counselors to them and figuring out how to become proximate to them in order that we can transmit the wisdom of our years and the wisdom of our lived experience as disciples um, life on life. Uh, th- this is what I think is necessary for each of us and all of us um, who are, let's say, of an age. So Jeff Grinnell works with young people. Um, he's been here um, several occasions before, but we're going to continue our conversation with him now. The book is Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth. 
I'm going to specifically bring into focus today the reality that it's Pride Month, and we're going to ask Jeff to help us talk with the next gen about gender, sexuality, fidelity, identity, and Christ. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff Grinnell is back. Uh, We have been talking with Jeff about Next Gen Faith. That's the book, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. So uh, I know that you know this, and everyone listening knows it as well. This is um, known in our culture as Pride Month. I guess I'm wondering, when we think about Gen Z, remind us who we're talking about, and maybe read us in on how Gen Z views or thinks about Pride Month. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. It's great to be back again with your listeners. And uh, this is sometimes when you look at the kind of uh, options that we have on the calendar. I, I was I was reading about two weeks ago, and I'm sure some of the listeners maybe have seen the article. It came out in the New York Times that, uh, almost 40% of the calendar now has some kind of LG plus, uh, emphasis. And when you look at all of those different kinds of, um, emphases now that we have on the calendar, it almost gives a definition of a society and mm. the, the huge jump that we have made over, honestly, um, the, the past five years. So you, when you, when you talk about pride month and you look beyond that into the larger scope, the narrative has changed. And, uh, I think that's just, that's just, that's, that's part of it right there. And I think because of what you just said, there's this younger generation that everyone has uh wants a piece of <laughs> right uh maybe you've heard the term merchants of cool right and it's the idea that if we market we have to market um gen z because gen z has this uh multi-billion dollar um expense income that comes from their parents <laughs> if you've got teenagers and young adults you know that and uh, how can we get a piece of them? And I, I know it, sometimes we forget that that expendable income is exactly what people are looking for. And so let's throw another event on the calendar because Gen Z is profitable, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, wh- who we're looking at are teenagers and young adults. Gen Z now goes to uh, through college. And I think sometimes we forget that. We, we kind of think, well, that's the millennials. But no, the millennials are about 24 to 38 right now. You know, every sociological, uh, sociological model is a little different. But most of them would put uh, the millennials older out of college in the workforce and Gen Z now, junior high, high school and college. So that's that's the target we're looking at, and not just the dollars, but it's that morality also. Yeah, so we're talking about Gen Z. We're talking about um, 
a generation that a huge percentage of them um, are interested in spiritual things. They dabble in spiritual things, but in terms of actually knowing God and being in a relationship with God, that is uh, a mystery and a, um, a, a big missing thing for many of them. Um, that is what you are addressing in Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth. Um, maybe let's jump to chapter 12 on the Holy Spirit, because I feel like this yeah. is where, this is really where we can start addressing maybe identity, sexuality. Uh, we can uh, address um, who we are, uh, and then because of who we are, how we behave. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm really glad this is the, the direction that you've gone, because the most important relationship that uh that we that we have today not just our young people carmen but the most important relationship that we have today is our relationship with the holy spirit mm-hmm. um you know we I, I've, I talk about this in the book and i've been sharing this for several years now as i was writing the book i really started this concept of our relationship with the holy spirit several years ago and when i make this statement it almost sounds, uh, man. I, I wish we had the time to to to, uh, to let me off the hook after I make this statement. But when you look at the scriptures, um, John fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, Acts one and two. When you look, when you look at the statement that I'm about to make, um, in the in the light of the scriptures, and not our own what I call meology, <laughs> but our theology. This, this statement really rings true, we, but, and we've forgotten this. So I'm going to use Jesus' words from John 14, 15, 16, and Acts 1 and 2. He said, unless I go, he will not come, right? And he's, he's referencing the Holy Spirit. And he says, it is more important for you that I go and he comes, and so as we look at these scriptures, I, I make the statement to young people today, and they have no problem with this statement I'm about, I'm about to make. But it's adults that, that they cringe. They're like, mm, but, ah, I don't know. But it's almost as if Jesus were saying, the most important relationship that you have on this earth today is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I sent him for a reason, Right. And we, we've, I think we've, we've been serving a historical Jesus, and we've forgotten about a present Holy Spirit. And that relationship is more important than my mom and dad. It's more important than my brother and sister or my grandfather or my grandmother or my aunt or my uncle. It's more important than my bae or my bestie, as the kids say. The, my relationship with the Holy Spirit is the most important relationship that I have on this earth because— if my relationship with the Holy Spirit is right, then my relationship with Jesus is better. My relationship with the Father is better. And every other earthly relationship follows. Uh, I don't cringe at that at all. Um, the Good. idea that my most important relationship is with the Holy Spirit, um, who is the present presence, um, right. who, is the, who is the one indwelling, the gift and the gifting, the comforter, the counselor, um, the the one who convicts me of sin, the one who guides me in my um, 
in my understanding of the scriptures, the one who illuminates my life. Like, I don't have any problem at all. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening right now to Jeff and I, um, do you cringe at the idea that your most important relationship is with the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's just because you haven't spent enough time getting to know the Holy Spirit. You know a lot about God. You know a lot about Jesus. The way that you actually know them is by the present power of the one who comes when Jesus leaves, and that is the Holy Spirit, the gift of of God himself present in and among us even now. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Grinnell. The book is Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth, but the conversation is really for all of us. The Holy Spirit, um, do you know him? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Jeff Grinnell, uh, the book is Next Gen Faith, 12 Spiritual Practices for Youth, but they're really uh, good for all of us. Um, we're talking about Chapter 12 today, which brings forward the conversation about the Holy Spirit. Is your most important relationship with the Holy Spirit? If not, with whom is your most important relationship? Um, and uh, and so, Jeff, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what are some what are some things you think we ought to be uh, thinking about and considering? Yeah, um, I think one of the most important things that I would want the listeners to, to hear um, in this chapter is that we have had a cultural view of God when we really need a scriptural view of God. And, and, and the reason I make that statement is, um, let, let me put it in this, let, let me illustrate it this way uh, quickly. If you've never been to the Grand Canyon, you've never seen the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> I know that sounds simplistic, but follow me. Um, you may have seen pictures of the Grand Canyon. You may have watched someone's uh, video, vacation video. You may have seen it in the magazine, watched a movie uh, with the Grand Canyon in the background. But if you've never been to the Grand Canyon... You've never seen the Grand Canyon. You have heard about the Grand Canyon, but you've never seen it. And I think that is what our relationship with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit does in, in our relationship with God. Uh, you had mentioned right before break that he, uh, he it, 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 wow, we could unpack that, Carmen. So many people think that the Holy Spirit is an it or a thing or a movement. He is the person of God. He is still um, a person, not an it or a thing, right? And so as he guides us or leads us into the truth, then we become open to a biblical relationship with God, not a cultural relationship with God. It's not something we've been, God is not someone we've been told about, but we've been introduced to through the Holy Spirit. I'll make this statement too. Uh, I don't know that we can fully know God without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, these are just things we don't talk about very often. And so when we talk about young people, listen, Gen Z, one of their characteristic traits, Carmen, is the supernatural. Every, Mm -hmm. Every study that we've seen, 
um, the number one show right now. If our listeners Googled it while they're listening to us, the number one show in a in in culture right now is Supernatural. When you look at the books and the movies and the shows, the the television shows that are on, the supernatural theme is everywhere. So, mm-hmm. wouldn't there be a greater introduction of Christianity to this generation than the Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah, and and I can't introduce someone in the next generation to somebody that I don't genuinely know myself. I mean, it's one thing for me to have some kind of conversation about, well, these are the attributes of the Holy Spirit or the works of the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to say, hey, here's my friend. Here's the one living in me, operating within me, the one to whom I actively submit myself and yield moment by moment, consciously and Mm -hmm. um, like in joyful submission to the Holy Spirit. Like that gets me, that enables me to bring forward um, discipleship teaching without it being like, here, here is my discipleship curriculum that I will now subject you to. Instead, it's like, great, like I'm, I am motivated to say these things or not say these things because the Holy Spirit working within me has convicted me that, you know, like every thought's being taken captive by Christ and how that's happening is that the Holy Spirit is doing it. So no, I'm not going to say those things. I'm not going to refer to that person in that way. I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to, I mean, like, right. I, I am going to proactively do these things and I am going to resist doing these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, because the Holy spirit is actually alive and operational. Like this, my operating system. Good. Good. You know what? Let me run off that thought real quick. Um, the, uh, the Holy spirit in human history is evident. He, he worked from creation to, um, to the age of the church that we're living in today. Um, when you read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there is this person of the Holy Spirit that has transformed every living generation. Think about, man, I wish we had the time to just go. I, in the book, I covered the history of the Holy Spirit and his acts, as, you're, as you were just saying. And think about what we're living in right now, Carmen. We are living in a re- in a sexual revolution. To really bring it home to our topic today, we are living in a sexual revolution. Don't you think, it, uh, man, our listeners today, don't you think that the Holy Spirit has all the power and all the truth that we need today to begin another counter revolution? Um, you cannot look. You cannot look at human history and remove the present power of the Holy Spirit in each of those human uh, historical eras. And I think today we need another awakening. We've we've seen it begin. We've seen it in the news. We've seen it in Kentucky. We've seen it in Texas. We've seen it in Minneapolis. We've seen it in uh, Toronto, uh, San Francisco. There are all these awakenings going on. And where? On our university campuses. Mm. And when I look at when I look at human history, the Holy Spirit has used a young person in every generation. And wouldn't it be great to see right now that this sexual revolution that's been going on, changing it's changing law, it's reforming society, 
it's look at the music we listen to the television shows we're watching you're watching a television show and all of a sudden an lg plus statement or an lg plus couple some kind of statement from the sexual revolution don't you think that the holy spirit is ready to equip young people today to start another countercultural revolution yeah, I do. Um, and I and I think that we have to be in a position to say, let it start with me. Let it begin with yes. me. There's a song that goes like that. Um, and so uh, we will, you and I will um, covenant to be praying for, I know you already are, covenant, covenant mm-hmm. to be praying for um, the next generation. Um, but Jeff, it's also my generation that needs those prayers because um, there are a lot of, a lot of 55-year-olds out there in the culture who have never been to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, right? They know a lot about God. Um, yeah. They may even have advanced degrees in knowing God, but they don't know God. And yeah. they're not walking, they're just, they're not walking by faith. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that's actually animating their life. Um, and, Good. and so, yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you for this wonderful reminder today. Um, it's not just for the next generation. It's for this generation mm-hmm. Um, as well. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We look forward to our next conversation. Yes, please, Carmen. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for the uh, moment. Absolutely. You can connect with Jeff and uh, tons of ministry resources at Youthology. That's just Y-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y, youthology.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. It is a month during which we are focused on forgiveness here at Faith Radio. And so um, I heard my pastor yesterday talk about not only the power of forgiveness in terms of our own experience of it, but the power of forgiveness in our relationships. And one of the questions that he asked was, you know, have you ever not just forgiven someone who has wronged you, forgiven someone who has um, hurt you? But have you then continued in a friendship with them? It's one thing to forgive someone. It's another thing to not just stay in a relationship with with them, but actually walk with them as a friend. And so it brought to mind the restoration of uh, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, um, and Jesus then forgives him and restores him in this threefold experience uh, on the beach following his resurrection, John chapter 21. Um, And it brought that to mind, like this intimate friendship and walk that Jesus has with Peter that is broken by Peter's denial, but then restored when Jesus forgives him, not only upon the cross, but in this personal encounter Um, saying, you know what, you know, we're going to continue to walk together, not only all the days of your life, but all the days of eternity. So let me just encourage you during this month of forgiveness to offer the forgiveness that others need um, and maybe re-engage with someone who you forgave in the past, but then you have walked away from them in terms of a relationship. What might a redeemed relationship look like walking in forgiveness together? Thank you so much for being here today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.